Stephen Pritchard. Good afternoon. A big program on the way today. Yeah, good afternoon. A big program like we've always got. Well, we always do. We always run it. It's always massive here. Lots of big financing things happening. Financing things. So we'll just talk about the gold price for the moment. So the the gold price was down to $19.33 an ounce last week. So... Week on week to sixteen hundred and seventy nine dollars an ounce. Uh, the copper price was down thirty one dollars a ton to eight thousand seven hundred ninety eight, and the Brent crude oil price was eighty two dollars twenty two, which was down sixty four cents a barrel. Wow! So, uh, might make much difference to petrol price. <laughs> um, they just stay up. That's all that happens there. Yeah, the, the Australian currency was up around the world again this week, so we're up one point two two percent against the US dollar to seventy eight point eight one. Um, against the Great British Pound, we're up um, a little bit to, we're up f- half a pence to 56.42p. Um, against the New Zealand dollar, we're up um, 50 cents to one, five cents, sorry, one dollar and seven. And against the euro, we're up um, 0.44 euro cents to 63. 69. Um, the all ordinaries, the equity markets in Australia, uh, the all ordinaries, we were down um, 8.6, 8.6 to 6,038. Um, the S&P 500, we were up about 0.4 to 2,749. And the UK FTSE index, we're pretty much steady at 7,132. Um, some, some stocks that local investors tend to like, um, BHP. Um, was twenty eight dollars eighty six, which was, was which was up uh, four cents on the week. CBA was seventy six dollars thirty, which was up thirteen cents. I mean, the banks are having a bit of hard time with stuff that's coming out of the Royal oh, Commission. It, it rolls on, doesn't it? And I'm sure we'll talk about that there's, again a little bit no, later. There's no surprises so far, though. I don't think. Um, and NIB uh, is, was uh, it was up two cents to six dollars ninety one. Uh, Telstra Telstra was. Uh, in the usual downward trend of uh, nine since cents. day one. <laughs> now it went up. It was nine dollars at one stage. Wow. It's, it's, it's just it shows how you know we've hardly got any Telstra accounts left. And the whole firm used to be Telstra. It's just so bad. You ring up, you get put into someone in the Philippines or somewhere they can't speak English, and it goes wastes a huge amount of time. Um, so you just don't deal with them. So um, three dollars. 31 at Telstra. Uh, the local fuel prices, um, Easter's coming up, but, but is, well, Jane, is, Jane, up. is Jane back by Easter? <laughs> um, maybe. I think she maybe. is. Maybe. Um, we'll get her fuel price predictions for Easter. <laughs> uh, so $1.37.3 unleaded in Newcastle, which was which was down 2.3 cents on the week. In Sydney, $1.25, which was down almost 5 cents on the week. And the diesel price in Newcastle is $1.37 which was down seven cents, and in Sydney it was a dollar thirty-five, which was down ten. Stephen Pritchard, and it is a big good afternoon to Henry Jennings. Henry, good afternoon, guys. How are you? We're good. We're good. I'm just good. thinking it's only a couple of weeks to getting some Easter eggs. Uh, yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, it seems to have come around early this year. Henry, you'll be buying. Good. You'll be buying all the expensive ones, won't you? No, I don't do chocolate. Oh. oh. Oh, why not? I don't do chocolate, because it's just not good for me. (laughs) Fair enough. Oh, well, fair enough. I can understand that. (laughs) Yeah, no. If I'm going to do it, I'll do the expensive stuff in very small amounts. My wife would probably disagree, though. She she doesn't care so much. (laughs) (laughs) As long as she gets gets some chocolate, that's usually fine. Ah, we understand now. Okay, okay. 
So, speaking of caring for much, the, the Labor government seems to have lobbed a bombshell with, or the Labor opposition, who are hoping to get into government, rephrase that, um, <coughs> seem to have lobbed a bombshell over uh, the franking credits. Uh, they have. I mean, this is uh, front-page stuff, and there's a, a vitriolic campaign. I think that the saddest thing about it is that, um, you know, we, we need to have a, a discussion in this country about tax and how it's applied and who pays it and what um, what kind of exemptions, etc., etc. But, um, you know, you get something like this comes out, and it just gets um, you know, very polarizing. Um, and what the Labour have basically said is that um, those people that have no um, taxable income in retirement um, who at the moment get a refund. I don't know how you get a refund if you don't pay any tax, um, but you get a, a cash back from the government, uh, from the ATO, um, from the franking credit p- part of a dividend that you receive in shares that you own. Um, so this has got a lot of people up in arms. Um, I suspect that it, uh, it will get watered down if the Labour Party had any sense um, because they're trying to go for the um, for the rich people, or that, that's their kind of modus operandi. They're trying to hit the the, the wealthy that have structured their affairs such that uh, you know, they get massive massive uh, cash back from the government. Um, they should probably put some sort of uh, either a cap on how much you can get back from the government, um, or either that or um, limit the amount of uh, you know the assets that you have in that super fund that qualify for that, so that it doesn't just become a rort, which I think. Um, sometimes it, these things do tend to become a rort if you can structure your affairs uh, that way. So it has caused mass uproar. Of course, it does have implications for um, the banks. Um, Telstra and all those sorts of high-yielding plays don't look quite so attractive. And um, also it has some implications for the hybrids markets, which have been very attractive to a lot of investors and a lot of retail investors have pumped a lot of money into the hybrid market. So um, that's got a little bit of a wobble on because uh, obviously there are risks there that people didn't uh, foresee. But I guess the big thing, and, and you um, say the same thing, Stephen, is can you just leave this whole super thing alone? Because it's very it's very hard to plan for your retirement. It's very hard to plan for anything if they keep shifting the goalposts. And it's not just the Labour Party that um, have been guilty of this. The coalition is pretty guilty of this as well. They did a big shift last year. Um, you know, they created this big pile of superannuation money, trillions and trillions of dollars, um, and they love sort of tapping into it. So, um, you know, it was only last year that ScoMo um, put a big tax on the banks, um, which, of course, does affect the dividend payouts and does affect uh, retirees' incomes if they're relying on those dividends. Um, and they also, they, they're planning to also drop corporate tax rate to 25%, um, which, of course, then would have an impact on dividend imputation as well and make those dividends less valuable. So everyone's having a go at this. Yeah, I mean, just on the super, the the, complica- the, the changes are becoming more and more complex, um, ah. you know, and and the, the you know the answer is from the politicians. Oh, yeah, well, the computer can work that out, but the but the IT nah. vendor, the IT vendors are struggling to keep up. I mean, there's yeah. there's so many changes being made. The programs are becoming more and more complex, and yeah. each change is making it more complex. And and yeah. uh, you know. The IT vendors. So next year, there's this real-time reporting coming in on um, on a number of funds or event-based port reporting in some of them. So that's adding a whole lot of, of complexity. And I know the super vendors are struggling to meet the fir- the software vendors are struggling to meet the first of uh, July deadline yeah. for this. It's just it's out of control. The amount of changes. You can kind of understand why um, people looking to um, build their retirement nest egg just go and buy a negatively geared property because at least it's simple. 
easy. They know where they stand. They can see it, and no one's going to mess around with that. Whereas super just gets messed around so much um, that you, you know you need a, a financial planning expert degree or someone like yourself uh, on call twenty four hours a day to be able to uh, to navigate the uh, the issues with it. I mean, it should be a simple thing, but it's becoming so overly complex. Yeah, okay. yeah. And what I, what else I thought was quite interesting was that Labor also announced that you would be limited to only three thousand dollars worth of uh, tax planning uh, to be able to be claimed. Uh, against your tax, which um, is going to hurt a few people, I would imagine, because uh, and certainly in my experience, uh, that tax planning doesn't cost three grand. It comes comes at a, a much bigger price. So if you want to pay that price, it's it's down to you now. So um, mm-hmm. that that's something that I think has been somewhat lost in all this uh, discussion. But I think it would be nice that we could have a rational discussion about tax in this country because uh, you know it, it certainly does seem a system that is so complex and it doesn't really need to be. There's a whole industry uh, has grown up around all this tax thing and I'm sure people could be doing something more useful. Henry, I kind of recall that, you may recall that footage of Kerry Packer many years ago in front of a, uh, a parliamentary yeah. inquiry and, and he was asked about paying tax. He says, well, of course I try and minimise my tax. If you, do, you don't, you're an idiot. And they yeah. said, oh, you were going against the spirit of the thing. He said, why would, I, why would I try and give the government any more money? It's just wasted anyway. Yeah, well, right. uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was, uh, I wrote in a newsletter. Uh, uh, I think we talked about this last week, where you get your your tax receipt from the uh, the ATO when you're filling your tax return now, and it tells you the breakdown of your tax dollars where yeah. they've all gone. That was that was pretty instructive. I've got to say, I've, I've not seen that before. Um, and it, you know, five hundred and one billion is our uh, hole in the ground where we've uh, we're in debt. Our government and our country's in debt, so that's a big number. And uh, just looking across those, uh, you know, the breakdown, aged care and welfare, uh, the biggest slug. So, um, yeah, it makes interesting reading. But if you recast that graph a different way, so that's the government's whole tax revenue. If you recast that graph just to personal income tax collections and where that's been applied, the welfare bill and the age, whatever it's called, Whatever they call that, those 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 components exceed personal income tax collections. Yeah, yeah. Well, if, I think you and I even can work that out, Stephen. That that's not really going to be sustainable. No. So anyway, we better get on to making some money here. So Newcrest has had to suspend uh, their their mining operations at Cardia. It's a tailings yeah, down Spain no. leak. Yeah, well, I mean, this, I guess, harks back to uh, that, that tragedy in uh, South America with Brazil and Samarco for BHP. Um, and Newcrest has a big mining operation in uh, Cadia out uh, in west uh, of New South Wales. And uh, they've had a leakage from their tailing dam. Uh, luckily, no one, I think, was injured. Um, but it is going to cost, and it will set them back in terms of production. So, obviously, the share price has been hit on the back of that. But uh, it seems to stabilise the time being. And I guess we'll know more uh, coming out of that uh, as time goes on. And we might just come back in a minute and talk about this big list of takeover targets. Yeah, really? Well, I've got a few there. We haven't got the whole list. It is a list, Henry. It's not the longest list you've ever seen. There's about six or seven. Can you cope with that? Well, no, we haven't got the long list. We've got (laughs) got the the short short one. We've got the short list. So, so, or some of the ones. Um, so, Credit Suisse, which is a, a Credit Suisse Australia, which is a subsidiary of the Switzerland private yeah. bank Credit Suisse, has yeah. produced a, ta- a potential takeover list of Australian companies. Yeah, interesting list. Uh, <laughs> it's quite diverse, I must say. Oh, I just picked those ones out. 
So, there's a lot of there's a lot of media in there. Um, I'm not sure um, I'm not sure Kerry Stokes would be too keen about Seven West Media being taken over, and and I'm not sure Nine Networks probably on the cards either. And Fairfax, everyone's had a look at that as well. So they all they all walked away from that with um, with the domain thing. So it is an interesting. This centre is on there as well, um, as well as Blackmores. That's an interesting one. Dulux Group um, and Ardent Leisure are one of the ones that are on the list. So I, I guess there's a few. It's that sort of, um, you know, there's not much else happening at the moment. We've gone through reporting season uh, and brokers are sort of uh, trying to get their names out there and trying to uh, produce some research that resonates with people and producing a list of potential takeover targets is always something that's good, I guess. Yeah, and Treasury Wines was also on the list, which I never rated. Yeah, so, so. no hope. No, that's what I thought. I mean, Santos, Credit Suisse, Santos said, said not so long ago that the shares were valueless. Um, well, Santos has, you know, got some quite big uh, yeah. Chinese shareholders in already. Um, they've, they've had the odd approach, so I'm, I guess it's possible. They're heading in the right direction. They're paying down debt. The old price is holding up well for them. Um, so they're doing all the right things, so it is possible, but I think that ship has probably sailed. There, were, there was a time when you could have got them pretty cheap, but now I think you'd have to pay 7 bucks or so to, uh, to get your hands on them at the end of the day. Yeah, and then... Um Moving on from that, Incentia's managing director's resigned. Yeah, well, he's gone. Well, he's, he's given six months' notice, uh, Mr. Kroll, um, so they've got to find a new one. Of course, Icentia is the old uh, media matters. They uh, they bought a business called King Content, which was supposed to be their saviour. They paid 50 million bucks for King Content and basically wrote off 50 million bucks. It was a ridiculously stupid acquisition, cost them a fortune, and uh, really and truly, uh, the guy should have been sacked rather than have the chance to resign, but there you go. And uh, so, yeah, six months I think he's got still under the desk so um, good luck to him so does he get extra payout if he if he resigns I'm sure I'm sure he does get a nice place there for F- six funny months funny about isn't that he? isn't it yeah. yeah he'll be there for six months in the big uh, he'll be in the valedictory tour of uh, I sent your offices kicking back enjoying the, the good life until uh, he can find himself another job and uh, over at the Banking Royal Commission the fireworks oh. are just starting there oh this is fantastic I am, I am deeply in love with Rowena Orr um, I was telling my pals at dinner last night how you know, she's a very smart lady and this is going to be great um, theatre for the next six to nine months. Um, she's the leading sort of uh, prosecutor, I guess, for the Royal Commission, Rowena Orr QC, um, and uh, she is not going to let these bank executives off lightly. They've had nabs in the, uh, in the dock for the first couple of days this week, and CBA is in the dock uh, today. And as I wrote in the newsletter this morning, you never really want to see what's behind the curtain in The Wizard of Oz. Mm. And this is certainly giving us a peek into what is behind the curtain in banking. Um, I guess what is worrying, and I wrote again this today, was there was a couple of guys, you probably remember this, they went around the western suburbs uh, about two years ago, Jonathan Tepper and another guy, um, uh, John uh, Hempton. And they went around the the western suburbs of Sydney and posed as 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 a couple and were talking to mortgage brokers and developers about their units and how they could get loans. And they were astounded about, um, you know, the liar loans and brokers willing to uh, fudge figures and not uh, query your pay and all that sort of stuff. And at the time, they were dismissed as kind of, you know, don't be stupid, that doesn't happen. Um, and, of course, this week, we've seen that, yes, you know what, it did happen, and it does happen, and it's probably still happening with these so-called introducer uh, loans that uh, NAB were doing, uh, where even your local gym uh, membership came with a, um, a mortgage uh, referral as well, and some big commissions and brown paper bags, and oh, it's just 
sensational, salacious stuff. Now, um, now they were promoting that to sporting clubs and and mm. non-profit charities and everything. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's, it's not a great look. And CBA are now in the in the uh, in the headlights of uh, or the the sights of uh, Rowena. So um, so that's going to be fun. And of course, as a result, the banking sector is under pressure today. We've got the index down twenty five points, and the banks are all off. You know, around one percent. And to be honest, it's just going to continue. I think it's hard to see. Um, you know, any good news coming out of this, and the, the more mud that gets slung, the more mud that's going to stick, um, and uh, eventually, you know, there's going to be some serious um, recommendations, I guess, that uh, come out of this Royal Commission. So do you know if they're going to call up the regulators as well? I would imagine they'll call up as many people as possible. Well, I yeah. think that'll be even more interesting. Yeah, well, I, I think the whole thing is, is great theatre. I mean, at the end of the day, the juggernauts that is the banks, you know, they'll still make we'll 30 still billion. Yep. They'll still pay these nice big fat dividends and they'll still be fully franked, et cetera, et cetera. But they are going to have to change their practices. And given that all the big four now are competing against each other and none of them have any overseas or, you know, that kind of differentiation in terms of strategy, um, it's going to be a bit of a fun fight. You've got APRA leaning on them. Um, to uh, you know, slow things down and tighten up lending uh, criteria and all this sort of stuff, and then you've got the Royal Commission, and you've got um, you know the only way they're really going to grow their business um, is going to be through cost cutting. And you're going to do that for so long. And interesting, well, this is what I found quite funny this this week was uh, Mike Cannon Brooks, who's the uh, guy behind the Lassian, who's now one of the, the uber wealthy, uh, was saying that you know NAB's plan to hire two thousand. Uh, programmers to enter the digital age he said well good luck with that we can't hire them they're impossible to find but under the current visa system they're impossible to get over here so um, i don't know where nabs is going to find 2,000 uh, highly qualified digital experts um, and get rid of 6,000 or whatever it is of uh, their sort of run-of-the-mill humdrum people so it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out but at the moment it's great to watch um some of these bank executives squirm and uh, be thrown. It's a bit like watching the, the, the Christians and the lions and the lions just toying with their food before they eat. <laughs> so, so, so we can hear further updates or read further updates from, from you, you can. on a daily basis, Henry? You, you can. We're not always about the Banking Royal Commission, but other good stuff as well. But, um, yeah, marcustoday.com.au is our, our website for newsletter. You can sign up there for a free two-week trial and see what we have to offer and Hopefully we can make you some money, which is the I'm sure you'll make them some money, Henry. Alrighty, that's no, Henry Jennings. We, we love his thoughts. They're always uh, wide and uh, diverse. And he'll be back next week with Stephen Pritchard. Stephen, looking for some uh, calls on 49216216 if one has a finance question. But coming up between now and one, you're going to sort of have a look at why we need an investment strategy. You have posed the question today, why we need an investment strategy. So I guess if we take it back to, to the, the core 101 basics on this, what would you say is an investment strategy, Stephen? Well, I... Well, uh, an investment strategy is basically a set of guidelines or rules that you need to establish on on how you want to how you want to manage your investments and for, for anyone who who who's got more than a you know a very small amount they should start thinking about um some of these guidelines and some of these rules and 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 perhaps um start to write them down i mean I, and i don't mean a 50 page document but <laughs> but but you know 50 page documents never get read um perhaps you know that's one, like terms and conditions stuff yeah, right there yeah, it just doesn't one happen and one and a half and you'll, you'll be surprised oh i was fine once you start writing stuff down you'll be surprised what mm. what you start to think of so you need to think of you know you've got this investment 
portfolio, you want to start an investment portfolio, you need to think, you know, first of all, you think, need to think of what your objective is. And there's, there's, there's different objectives. I guess you start looking at the end result, well, what do I want to achieve and, and, and make a plan, yeah. which is quite interesting because we're all this, this afternoon talking about all how the rules change, particularly in the world of superannuation, etc. I guess you've got to have a bit of a, a map and a bit of a plan to navigate all of that stuff. That's right. You know, and, and different. Uh, and the most important thing you need to think about is your time frame. Now, if you if you if you if you if you're looking to um, invest to go on a holiday in five years, you'd look at a different type of investments than you would look in a. Um, you, you're planning to retire from from work in your super, and, and you need some superannuation fund money in. 20 or 30 years so the first thing you need to look at is your time frame mm-hmm. and basically the shorter the time frame you've got um the the the, the less volatile investments you you want to be in so from what, what what's that i mean if, if you if you're looking to save some money to go um on a holiday at the end of the year um you would probably just put the money into a high interest savings account Something that's very low risk because you don't want to get sort of a couple of months before you buy your plane ticket and then find that the bottom's fallen out of your investment. That, that's right. Something that's low risk, uh, the closest you can get to a capital guarantee, which is a savings account, um, online savings account, you'll probably get about two to two point three percent. And then the other side of the the other side of the, the, the long term horizon is is um, some property investments or some equity investments, and 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 what. They they will have periods of um, volatility, i.e. the prices will, will fall, just like you said, and the property market, despite what some people believe, if you go back and have a look at the long-term history, there is prices, there are periods in the property market exactly the same as the share market where prices have fallen. So, because this is a, a, an argument or, or I guess a point of view that gets put out, oh, overall property doesn't fall. So what sort of, what sort of, Drops are we talking there? Like, oh, twenty or thirty percent. Yeah, wow, that, that's a lot. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you've got to look at it, but but overall, the the why, why people believe this is the majority of people will buy their house and fifteen years later they'll sell it and make a make a a, a significant capital gain generally. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there's periods in between. Um, you might buy it now and you want to sell it in three years' time, and you might sell at a loss because the prices haven't presently gone up. So the longer the longer the, the time's basically on your favour here, mm-hmm. the longer the time horizon, and it's the same as the equity market. If you go back and look at the equity market, um, the, the long-term average returns about eight or nine percent in the Australian equity market. If you go back and look at that, there's periods where it will have done fifteen percent, and there was periods that will have done negative three or four or five, maybe ten percent. So you need to look at the longer the time horizon, the more you need to move your investments to these long-term type of assets. The smaller, the shorter the time horizon, you need to look at um, your cash and your fixed interest type assets. So that's the first thing you need to do. Gotcha. So basically working out what you want to do. And, and I think with the, with the housing there, it, it, over time, it's kind of like over a long period of time, it's kind of like three steps forward and one back. Yeah. you just got to make sure you're selling at the point where it's going up. That's right. And, and you know how to put your position in, you don't. You want to you want to ensure as far as possible that you're not forced to sell the house at the worst possible time. Yeah, okay. very good point. Housing thing. All right. So you, you 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 can have different objectives for different parts of your portfolio. You might be having a long term um, objective for your superannuation, which are twenty or thirty years, and you might have a short term objective for the holiday at the end of the year. 
as we continue with Stephen Pritchard this afternoon and investment strategies. And I guess, Stephen, where do we go from here? You've got the plan. You've sorted out what you want to do and you, you've sorted out yeah, you know, you've what's sorted out your strategy. And yeah. one of the next things is you need to look at what the, the actual investments you're going to buy. And, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, if, we, if we're looking at the, the Australian Stock Exchange, it's, it's, a, it's a bit like a lolly shop, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> it can be. There's all different flavours of investments there. And, and two of the most... You just don't want something that's too sour. That's yeah, the problem. Well, that's right. You don't want anything sour. Um, we, don't, we don't want a hard at leisure or anything like that. So, 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 so but just back to there's lots of different flavours of investments. So, 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 and, and one of the big mistakes that people think about is the, is the share market is they think they're in there for capital gain. Now, if you look at the stats, 50% of the return of the share market actually comes from dividends so 50 percent of your long-term return will come from dividends depending on which type of shares you want to buy so if you're looking for if you're looking for shares that pay you a high dividend you might look at something like um which henry mentioned earlier the banks are high dividend payers and if you're looking for something that's more orientated to to, to capital growth which pays a, a a lot smaller dividend you'd be looking at something for example csl or cochlear or some of those so-called growth stocks. Now, you, there's, once again, there's a trade-off between you, you won't get a high dividend payer in a growth stock because they're, they're generally reinvesting all their money into, into, the, into the growth of the business. Okay. Um, and then, so you need to look at whether, whether your objective is, is once again a short-term or medium-term, you're looking for income to pay your super pension or whatever, or you're looking for a longer term down the track um, and, and you're looking for um, growth stocks. Now, once again, the good thing about the equity market or even managed funds, you, you, you can have a mix and match to suit your time and the transaction costs, transaction costs of swapping that around is not particularly high compared to real estate. And once again, real estate, there, there's real estate, traditionally, um, traditionally residential real estate's been the property that's had the least amount of yield. Um, you're probably looking at you know, two to three percent real return on that, um, but there is some there is some listed property trusts you can get for seven, and there's a few unlisted property trusts floating around where the yields are probably nine percent if you qualify to invest in them. So you need to think about what type of income you want from your portfolio. And just very quickly, one last one before we uh, have to say goodbye to you, Steve. What do you think overall the biggest mistakes that the, the people make when the they're putting this together? The biggest mistake is the biggest mistake people do is they don't measure the returns on their portfolio. The biggest mistake, and 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 the memory, people, what people think, and what actually happened is people tend to forget their losses, but only remember their gains. Mm. So now what you need to do is properly record it. Um, there, there's lots of bits of software you can buy, and properly record the um, portfolio and measure the returns, and and look and see if it's achieving your benchmark. Now, if you're doing a, um, we tend to like. We tend to like benchmarks that are linked to the CPI in our firm, so 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 you're getting a real rate of return. So we'd say, you know, if you're saving for your retirement, a benchmark you would probably measure against would be um, the 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 three percent above the CPI or something like that. So just again, making sure you do all the planning so that you just don't fail. You don't want to fail. You don't want to fail. No one wants to fail anything, and planning. Planning helps. There's a saying. There's a saying about that. Is that most people fail to plan. Mm. All right, Stephen. Thank you for that. Some great insight there. And that is Thursday Finance for another week. Stephen Pritchard back next Thursday afternoon. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Two NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health 
well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.